0: All right,
1: we're live, folks. All right. So, hey, everyone. I want to welcome you to our first Quality uh, Matters Presents uh, live stream. So this is definitely something new for us. We actually kind of had to take a minute here just to make sure all the sound was uh, was working properly. Um, but very glad to, uh, to have everyone that's uh, watching online have folks here. So we're going to be talking today about quality management as it relates to small business. Um, The the short version is is that while the world has changed dramatically over the last 12 months, I really believe that it is a a goldmine for small businesses, it's an opportunity that just doesn't come around uh, very often, so we want to talk about some of the ways that uh, through integration of quality management principles, some of the changes in uh, technology and how we work are uh, impacting the workplace, You know, really how small business can uh, succeed in this environment today. Um, but before we go too much further, I want to say, of course, uh, special thanks. We are here at uh, Fogo de Chow. So we're going to be enjoying uh, some good uh, food here in just a little bit. But uh, first, I uh, also want to thank uh, Sean with uh, Oil & Gas Global Network, Mark LeCour for uh, helping us with some of the lighting, camera, sound equipment. And so Sean is going to be one of our panelists. I'm, of course, uh, Kyle Chambers with uh, Texas Quality Assurance. We have uh, Melissa Bastite with uh, Tytronics Medical and uh, Caleb Adcock, who is also with us at uh, Texas Quality Assurance. So, Sean, you want to get started on telling us a little bit about your background, kind of, you know, what you bring to the table here?
0: Sure. Uh, so about 18 years in oil and gas. I spent most of that time with Schlumberger. I've worked uh, manufacturing both as a technician and as a manufacturing engineer, uh, sales, business development, marketing through those different areas. i worked for machine shops. I've worked for uh Various companies throughout that supply to oil and gas companies like service companies like Halliburton and Schlumberger and people like that who became my customers. And then spent the last, uh, going on almost a year now, uh, working with the oil and gas global network as a podcast host and working with them internally. Uh, where I host a, a podcast that you and your wife have been on. Yep. It
1: was a lot of fun. As a as a, a guest,
0: yes, we're and we're focused on the ESG and the energy evolution. So a bit in that in that crux so parallel yeah. parallel path. What do we do, What are we doing going forward and what does the future look like and how we're gonna get there? So, yeah. Perfect. Perfect. So
1: Melissa, tell us a little bit about you, kind of what you bring to the table.
2: So I've been in uh, medical device and pharmaceuticals for the last twenty-five or so years, and from very small companies, sixteen people, to very large companies like Abbott Laboratories, with thousands of people. Um, so just in the quality and regulatory realm, uh, all over. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Caleb,
3: how about you? i um, with Texas Quality Assurance with Kyle over here. Uh, <laughs> I am predominantly have an inspection background, structural steel welding. Uh, I've inspected soil, concrete, so pretty much that's my deal as a field technician, so
1: not a little bit all over the place. And I think that's, that's what's really great about, uh, site world of quality management. It's the number one thing I, I love about my job is the vast variety of, of people and, uh, the work that you run across there's really no limit. So we're going to be talking about the same principles here. Again, if we're talking about structure, steel and, you know, soil inspections to medical device software and sales marketing in the oil and gas world, it's the same principles that apply. Um, so let's start first by talking a little briefly about some of the challenges that, you know, we know that we've seen in the last year. I don't want to belabor it because everyone talks about this a lot, but there's some key challenges that everyone has seen in the last year. So, you know, Melissa, what are some of the things you've seen here in the last, uh, last 12 months that have really caused organizations to struggle, whether internally or externally?
2: I think it's just trying to, how are we going to work, um, remotely? A, well, the industry I work in now is a software development company, so they're always been able to work remotely but i know that other companies that's not their norm so now everybody's trying to you know be able to chat with everybody still do product development still uh, all of those things so uh, what we're doing now is everything's through teams so we're right. talking about all the projects that we're on uh, talking to our customers clients uh, and trying to figure out what do they need right our requirements that kind of thing so yeah it's a little more challenging because it's not you know you can just pick up a phone or go you know.
1: Right, visit <laughs>
2: right? So now so you know we're all talking just to get the group together is talking on Teams. So that makes it a little more challenging, especially when you're in different time zones and things like that.
1: It makes it a little no, rough. definitely that that time zone one that that one is still <laughs> a lot, still real tricky for me. I I, I never can't can't quite get it right. No telling how many times we have to go to Google to see what time it is somewhere. Yes. How about uh, Sean? What have you seen? No, the not just uh, the changes last year, but specifically with the oil and gas industry and the no shortage of other industries connected
0: to it. <laughs> yes, we, it's that synergistic aspect that we all mm-hmm. relate to each other, which is part of that evolution, I think, as well as recognizing that. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big I mean, it's easy to pick on the pandemic and it's easy to bring forth something that we just talked about a minute ago around ESG. I think those are right. softballs. But I, I think to go forward and, and kind of go back to that is, it's recognizing that we are synergistic. I think that's one of the big lessons that it's that's out there, but it's more of a tertiary thing. I think it's going to have a lasting impact as we start to see how how we are in the same boat, regardless. We we yes. do we do silo. We even silo within the oil and gas industry. Mm-hmm. We silo. I mean, I, my wife's in the in the medical field, but not really. But she's siloed, and so <laughs> it's these things where I think it's going to it's really recognizing that comprehensive aspect and how we all are impacting each other and why sure. that's important is one of the big things for this year.
1: Well, you know, I, I talk all the time when we talk about uh, this idea of process mapping is every process has an integration from another into another, that there really is no such thing as a completely isolated process. And, you know, that's one of the things that I'm finding uh, very exciting about right now is, mm-hmm. you know, we had tried at Texas Coalition's, we tried to do remote audits here a few years ago, and we, we couldn't do remote audits to save our lives. No one wanted to do remote audit. It was such an odd foreign concept to us. Um, but now these things are commonplace. You know, it is um, absolutely nothing to integrate technology into these normal kind of everyday events. So it's um, it's just a huge opportunity. Um, you have know, to forgive Caleb. He is doing our tech on the back end to make sure that we've got everything running up here. Looking for comments as well on <laughs> YouTube and LinkedIn. So if anybody's got those, uh, we'll see them. So, Caleb, how about you, what are some of the things you've seen the last 12 months that folks really struggled to overcome?
3: Um, I think uncertainty probably would be the biggest thing. You know, I remember when this first happened, nobody knew what was going on, how to act. I mean, even to this day, people still don't, there's no sort of standardization for the way people do business. You know, mm-hmm. everybody you talk to has got a different idea about what's the normal and I definitely think it's getting better, but I think in the future, people are going to have to sit down and, and address those issues within their companies. like, mm-hmm. you know, what are the inputs and how can we react to those inputs as far as standardization with the new, you know, the new
1: way of everything. So, no, I, I completely agree that there, there's so much that can uh That can be documented um that that ought to be there's so much that uh, can be documented that maybe not ought to be you know i think one of the the most common fears that i hear folks uh when we talk about iso 9001 or you know some other quality management standard is you're immediately afraid that they're going to get tied down and locked down to doing business one way and it's gonna be so rigid that they can't deviate from it but a properly functioning quality management system that's not the the case at all i mean we were talking about that on a podcast episode recently Mm -hmm. um so tell us a little bit about you know. What are some key things that folks need to look at when when they're writing some of these process procedures and documenting some of these requirements? How deep should they go into it? You know, how much time they need to spend on it?
2: Yeah, well, we just went through that. You know, trying to figure out how we're going to. Everyone now doing remote and and you know working through the IT systems and and all that and what we're going to use and um, you know, so that was a whole other process that had to be written. But yeah, just going through your whole quality system is what uh, looking through the process and what can you do and, and, and yeah, if you, it's a continual process improvement. So, whatever you see and any issues you may have, then you can change it based on what your situation that you're seeing.
1: Yeah, I think that's something that people miss far too often. Say, if you document a process and you get something set, that doesn't mean it's chisels in stone. I mean, it's just a, it is a fairly simple reapproval process. We find a new way that works, we move forward with it. You know, a simple thing that we encountered very early on is uh, we communicate with teams internally all the time. You know, uh, you know, Caleb's on the north side of Houston, on the south. We'll probably be on Teams four or five times in the day. Um, but we had to very quickly put a rule in there that we're not going to communicate with our customers over Teams because it's just too hard to maintain that communication, and you kind of lose things in there. So it's little things like that that folks really have to, to be good about saying, no, this is simply a policy of how we're going to operate moving forward, which I think is something that the world hasn't had to do since... The tech boom in the uh, you know late 80s and through the 90s. Um, no one's really had to say we have to do business differently than before. Which what you got there?
0: I think it's it's paramount to figure out what that's gonna look like going forward. And I think it's the uncertainty that Caleb talked about is the really is the X factor, because it's we all know that it's not gonna be getting back to where we were before. It's almost like a, a post 911 uh, feeling of of mm-hmm. an event that is completely restructured the way that we look at. You now that was very niche around travel, I would say, right. and some, you know, some relative some security outside of that. But this is this is holistic. It is. Right. And how, and then we're going to have this, and I think there's a big part of it that needs to be looked at, and that's the human side, mm-hmm. which is that we've had this almost this release coming. Yeah. Where people are going to want to go and connect. They're going to want to yeah, drive across gonna town. Be. They're going to want to go to Fogo de Chow. Right. To, to, <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I'll come sit in a chair and talk, you know. And, and so when that happens up against metrics like cost mm-hmm. and and then I think there's still going to be a susceptibility to risk mm-hmm. that can a, can a company look at and say, uh, whether it's a small or big, if I do something and it causes an issue, right. the residual benefit, that you know, is it a detractor if I do a spreader event or if, I, if mm-hmm. I'm i not being considerate about other people and, and not managing that properly, what does that look like? From no, the no, part? I
1: agree. I totally agree. And it's so much easier to keep track now because it's not... Uh, When I first started in the quality management world, you know, I was thrown into the library, which was an office about this size, full of hundreds of binders, and I was told to go through and sort through it and and make sense of what was in the library. Well, now with document management systems, which are you know, so readily available, it's something that we offer through Dex Quality Assurance as well, is you can find the one document you're looking for from hundreds in a few clicks with a proper document management system. So integrating some of these much more readily available um, uh, information technology tools is going to allow small companies to do what previously, 10 years ago, only multi-billion dollar organizations generally had access to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Caleb, you were talking about uncertainty. Tell us kind of a little bit about, you know, what you see with small businesses out there and, you know, the fears that they're having. I think, you know,
3: obviously trial and error is a big is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, as long as people are learning and, and not getting frustrated and giving up, you know, I, I think that that's really the, the way to power through it. Um,
1: uh, yeah I mean, no I will I think that's that's a good point though is and that's something that really that I want to get out of this is there I truly believe is a lot of hope there's a lot of good that can come specifically for small business I think the opportunities for the larger businesses are you know dwindled in comparison to what I see for small business I know that's hard to uh, hard to believe and hard to, to hear when you see that you know thirty percent of the small businesses in the country right now have either failed or in the process of failing mm-hmm. Um and what we kind of called it early on in this whole process is we, once we saw that the 15 days to slow the spread was going to turn into more, however much more is still yet to be determined. And we said that folks are going to call it fall in one of two camps. You know, they're going to fall in the camp of we're just going to struggle. We're going to hunker down. Maybe we'll make it. Maybe we don't. But they're only going to be a fraction of what they were then when, they, when things recovered. The other group is saying, all right, we now have a lot more time on our hands. We've got a lot of opportunity to make some improvement, and those teams that are able to jump on that are really going to be the ones that, that thrive.
2: Yeah, I think yes. I think you have more time now to go through your systems and say, "Does this make sense? Mm-hmm. Where can we improve? What can we do about it?" And uh, of course, there's lots of webinars and things out there, and just learning what what's happening. What's my better way to to do the same processes? Yeah, and really look at them.
1: No, I, I uh, totally agree. You know. Uh, world that Kayla comes from, you know, contract labor is, is abundant. You know, when you're talking about, you know, structural, uh, uh, steel and these type of words, contract labor is so abundant. It's just kind of the norm. You know, we've, we've got one client right now. They're like, well, we only have 10 employees, but when it gets busy, we might have 50 people on payroll, you know, but, but they're, they're contractors. And I think that's an idea that has now has an opportunity to expand beyond skilled labor. You know, we, um, it's been a common thing for big business to have you know, fractional management for their executive and C-suites, but there's no shortage of folks out of work looking for opportunities to do better. And I'm not saying that they're out of work is a good thing, but I'm saying that it is an opportunity for a lot of people to do a lot of good that they couldn't have done before.
0: Well, I think the word, if you're playing the the bingo at home, you can take this off your uh, off your list, but, <laughs> but pivot is a word that I keep yeah. thinking about. And really what that means, I think where, where a small business is more nimble and be able to mm-hmm. do this, if you have, I can remember not to pick on anybody I've worked for that's big, but you can draw the lines <laughs> to get that, I used to call it the elephant, to get it to turn around oh, yeah. forever. Uh-huh. In right? almost anyway, whether yeah. it's adopting even something as simple as a quality process or yep. just an engineer or some sort of operational process.
1: You can get four people to change the way they operate a lot easier than yeah. 40 or 400. Yeah, it, it, yeah it, it becomes a scale uh, mm-hmm. scale issue. Um so I think that's going to provide a, a lot of opportunity is um, there's, again, there's just no shortage of good professionals out there who are looking for opportunities that might not have had them before. And, you know, to hire a full-time quality manager or hire a full-time, you know, weld inspector, you know, Caleb, how much could a, a full-time weld inspector, weld inspector expect to make in a year? Full-time, I mean, depending on, you know, certifications,
3: you're looking at paying them between... You Know it's a big range, but 30 and 90 thousand dollars, and you know, 100000 So, So,
1: and then by the time you had benefits and vacation, oh, you're yeah, looking yeah, at a hundred thousand dollar cost. Mm-hmm. But if you're a small company with only 20 or 30 people, do you can you give that kind of full time work? <laughs> you usually hire somebody else, so <laughs> yeah, and so these are a lot of just uh, opportunities where you can take those folks that have the skills that you need. And you can get them when you need them, as you need them. And you know the whole idea of the gig economy hit the IT world, you know, fifteen twenty years ago. You know, we've all been familiar with the gig economy for IT, but I think we're going to see an opening for that and other professional services outside of you know folks looking to code and do uh, web design. Well, information, you know, is is now the world is a lot smaller
3: place because mm-hmm. of technology. So information is dynamic, you know. So. Yeah. People know where they need people. People know where they can go. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's very dynamic because information is at, you know, your fingertips. So I think that there is going to be even
1: more just lots of movement between, mm-hmm. you know, people and professions and companies. So. Well, we've even seen here that for uh, the ease of providing consultation, uh, document information development service, auditing, it's so much easier for uh, consulting companies like us now than it was just a few years ago. So we're able to provide the same service at a lower rate and get it done faster for you as a result of everything that's happened in the last year. So Melissa, you've been in a number of different organizations. What are some of the benefits you see of a small business that has a management system in place and that doesn't? If they've actually got that certification that sealed, they can stick on their website.
2: Well, yeah, it depends on the size of the company, but, um, yeah, having one on site would help, you know, look through all the processes and uh, audit what's going on and, uh, you know, be there for any manufacturing, kappas, mm-hmm. complaints, you know, not conformances things like that. They're there and they can see the process and react to it quicker Yeah, and, and see what's happening. If you know what's going on, then you can... Uh, Figure out a root cause and all that easier than what you can if you're coming in from the outside, yeah. and not really even knowing the process
1: whatsoever. Yeah, and, and so with these uh, this idea of you know bringing in kind of a, a fractional management role, and I say small business, but this applies even for larger organizations. Um, you know, we've talked to a number of folks in the oil and gas world where they're a part of one of the you know uh, major organizations. Not going to throw any names here, but they've got several field offices, and those field offices may only have four or five folks operating at them. These same concepts apply there as well. Those offices are, for all intents and purposes, just a small business. I mean, it really is. So no, I was going to say, there?
0: well, to that, if somebody who worked for a company that was like that, you're 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 correct. We we tend to think of uh, if a company was a super major, or well-known big company that everywhere that that company exists, they have the same resources, right. same competencies, and even the same systems in place, mm-hmm. but you know, especially if it's through acquisition or through, or just through, you know, basic growth, the odds are that they're not, and that's right. almost low hanging fruit to a small business to come in there and support that mm-hmm. field location or, 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 secondary location outside of the main hubs yep. that you can say, Hey, we can come in and kind of be a secondary uh, support system to whatever y'all are doing. Yep. yep. Yeah. I agree.
1: What are some differences that y'all have seen in, you know, the, the weight that, um, like an ISO 9001 or an API, uh, stand or certification carries when you go through these supplier approvals you know we've seen the difference here what what have you uh y'all seen from that
2: yeah that's what we look for is you know are they iso certified 1345 9001 or if we're using a a calibration system or a lab or whatever 1725 you know looking at that because then you know that they've been audited and somebody has looked at them and you know that they're they've got a good quality system in place. Yes, they can still have issues like everyone else, but they they're more likely to notice their issues and fix them
1: mm-hmm. instead of another group. Instead of it coming through, or even just a customer complaints and problems.
2: Right. So they have a process in place to figure that out and investigate it and fix the problem.
1: Yeah, Caleb,
3: what you got? Uh, yeah, It's kind of a funny analogy, but you know, to me, it's almost like. Amazon. You go on there and you're looking for a product. There's a bunch of different products. Like you're not going to go with the one that has zero reviews that nobody's ever tried out. It's mm-hmm. like it's almost like that where you've got these certifications. You've proven your industry. You've proven your processes. So that's telling your customers and potential customers like we
1: know what we're doing. You know we're not mm-hmm. just. <laughs> No, I mean, it really like, is. I, I like the uh, the Amazon review analogy. That's that's really good. But that's what it is. It's, yeah, you know, to the I point mean, of whether your sins, someone else has done the assessment. Yeah. You know, you were talking about risk earlier. This is a way to mitigate your risk. Right. And now, you know, the market has shrunk. I mean, the, the market for services is half what it was a year ago. You know, it's not nothing because the world didn't completely stop. Although it may have felt like it at some point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, but those those few providers that are out there, the um, the supply chain is still large, even though the uh, you know what they need is still small. So, talk about uh, a little bit of risk uh, perspective
0: here. Well, I think one of the risk perspectives that we need to look at uh, is if you are that small company uh-huh. that's able to go and service a big company, uh, there is a there's another there's other standards that are coming, and it's a little bit back to the world of ESG. Uh-huh. There's going to be requirements, and this is part of that forward thinking and part of that pivot. It's a typical metrics we're used to seeing, in my experience around manufacturing and. and companies and machine shops is usually data driven measurement driven yep. very very precise and you're actually measuring you know looking at something that you can touch yes uh, you bring in the esg standards uh-huh. from a quality standpoint. i think there's a and i don't know if, we, if you've seen I'd be curious we talked about it a little bit but those metrics that data that's going to be needed it's going to be measuring things like diversity and inclusion. It's going to be mm-hmm. measuring, you know, how, how well you pay your employees. It's going to be measuring what your carbon emissions are and mm-hmm. things of that nature, what your footprint looks like. Well, those are measurable data points. Mm-hmm. And yes. that responsibility is going to go beyond just the big companies who have room for it. Right. And if you're going to want to do business with them, right. how are you going to be able to answer those questions when they come back and ask you? Because they're going to be held liable mm-hmm. by somebody somewhere, right. whether it's the public or investors or somebody else, the board, everybody else that they want to make sure that the entire chain that they're connected with is adhering to those things as well. Right. Because that's the same issue with the, back to the, the quality uh, your quality plans. Because even in the product, it's the same difference. Yeah. Just, just now we're highlighting more of the human element than, than the product and service no, element.
1: I, I agree. I, we, talk, we talk on the, uh, the podcast often is so much of the ISO 9001 standard is really, it's, it's about the culture. I mean, if you actually sit down and read the standard, very little of the ISO 9001 standard is directly centered around product and service quality directly. It's centered around building the organization, the structure, and the systems that are necessary to provide that product service and quality. Um, In the 2015 edition of the standard, they threw the idea of interested parties out. And this is one of the things that, that uh, everyone's kind of like, well, what in the world's an interested party? But we're kind of seeing more and more now, which is why I had fun with the uh, podcast. We did talking mm-hmm. about ESG is this is the intersection uh, of those two because these, uh, the, again, the world's changed. You know, folks care a lot more about what your organization does and why you do it and how you go about doing it. And these things have to uh, have to be focused on. So, <laughs> yes. So, the, um, but it, it is, it's like um, the, the Made in America. I guess that's probably the, uh, the closest to, to this that we've ever really had to worry about. And you've got some folks who simply, and I commend you, they just simply won't buy something if it doesn't have that Made in America sticker on the back. But to put that Made in America sticker on there, that has certain requirements for how far down that supply chain. Everything was sourced and made here in America. So you know not only did this supplier do it, but you know the folks that they purchased from did as well. And, you know, I'm what they call an elder millennial. So I I can tell you that we are now the ones that are stepping in to run most of uh, the management positions that, you know, previously were a different generation. And millennials, like or not, we care about what people care about. And it is a change that's happening. And to your point earlier about turning the elephant – you know, if um, if you've got an organization with even just a few hundred people, which still is technically considered a small business, changing that direction and getting everyone lined up with the same ideas is is difficult. But if you're a mom and pop shop, you've got you know fifty, maybe a hundred employees, or even less. Um, it's really easy to rally people around the cause, and this cause can be a valuable sales tool.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I see, well, I, well, I think well, I think the key to that though is going to be you know, the, the, the history of that company, mm-hmm. they're, 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 what, what what baggage, and I don't mean to say it that way, but just whatever traditions, I guess you'd say they're bringing. Yep. So I think there's a little bit different couple ways to approach that. If it's an existing business that has 30 years of of history, there's going to be a little bit of a different approach to get yep. them to pivot that versus right. it's just, you know, three, four Start people in right. a dream, right? You know, that's a different, yep. that's a different opportunity to basically get them to invest. And so yep. I think it's recognizing how you approach that, because if you approach both the same way, you're going to mm-hmm. One will probably work, and one probably won't.
1: Yeah, no, no, I uh, I agree. Um. So, what are what are some other things that uh, you know y'all seeing that are smart opportunities for folks here in the next uh, next year as a small business? You know, again, we've got a lower market. You know, we've got less uh, less goods and services going around, less demand, so it all sounds pretty uh, pessimistic and, and scary. But then we have, you know, the advent of uh, so many information uh, technology tools. People can do work quicker, faster, cheaper than ever before. Smaller businesses can pivot and run circles around larger organizations. You know, I think we all saw in the beginning, uh, you know, that companies like Amazon, you know, we're, we're, which sometimes gets a, a, a bad uh, reputation out there for, for taking up so much of the the business yeah. but i think we're, we're going to find that this is a new renaissance for small business like we saw in the, uh, the late 90s prices have yeah. gone way down i mean as far as goods go and services yeah. and everything
3: because yeah yeah you know you can bash on them but i mean because of what they do It's now very cheap and accessible to buy pretty much whatever you want. No, I I
1: I, I agree. I
3: agree.
2: Well, usually small businesses can quickly turn and create a system and move forward. Usually, the larger companies they take longer to create Mm -hmm. the processes. So, for you know, they can quickly turn on a dime, change Mm -hmm. everything because they're trying to survive. So they're trying to make their processes. You know. uh, Faster, sleeper, yep. whatever you want to call it, and get their products out there quicker, so that 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 way they can sell more.
1: You know, you know, that's that's their whole purpose. I had a great conversation with uh, someone yesterday. Just just prospect, just just someone we're talking to. And I was asking him, you know, what do you all doing in the last 12 months? How, how are you getting the, uh, the quality management system implemented? Because they're still probably maybe six months away from being ready to go for uh, certification. And, you know, it sounds like they're really doing a lot of good. And he says, well, Kyle, here's a few things that I've done. And he said, for one, I, uh, I check out, you know, like your podcast. He said, "I've actually got some of the folks on our team listening to because it, it's good information." <laughs> so that was, that, was, that was fun to hear. And then he said, "The second thing is, and this good to your point, is he's like, there's no shortage of good case studies on ASQ." Mm-hmm. He said, "I'll spend days just reading through all of these case studies what other folks have done." And again, these are opportunities that really didn't exist ten years ago. You know, I remember I had a job doing a help desk work in uh, the you know early two thousands, which you know sounds like <laughs> long ago now, but eh. and. Um, I remember telling them, like, well, what do I do when I don't have any, like, work? They said, well, find a white paper. I was like, what the heck is the white paper? And, you know, you just didn't have uh, had access to the same resource you got now.
2: I read the pink sheets, gold sheets. anything that came from FDA and now, you know, <laughs> I'm on their website. And that, you know, they send everything, yeah. their, their updates. Uh, same thing with the uh, European Union stuff. Anything mm-hmm. that's happening over there. Cause you never know, like where you're going to get into, and like yeah. I need to know because you know the U.S. may adopt it, or we maybe start selling overseas. You just yeah. never know. So yeah. just keeping you know abreast of what's happening in the regulatory and quality world.
1: Yeah, and it's not that uh, terribly hard to, to jump into the middle of it. Like um, you know, Caleb, you had a, you came from this uh, background of you know yeah. weld inspection work and quality control, and what have you been working on the last six months? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> improvements
3: um you know helping companies improve that's what we do is you know we we try and make the work quicker more efficient um you know so that's what we what we've been trying to do is find companies that are willing to get out of their comfort zone Uh and you know i don't want to it's not
1: taking a risk but changing Uh you know that way trying to automate the system or but I think you hit the the key is that you have to get on the comfort zone yeah. is, you know, the world has fundamentally changed the way that we're going to do business. I we mean, you know, it, yeah, I hate, yeah, I hate I the term were. new normal, but <laughs> like we, we are moving into a new normal and, you know, we have to adjust, which, again, that, that's so much what uh, you guys work with on your podcast.
0: Yeah, we, we, do. we do. It's a big part of that evolution. But I also want to there's part of this small business narrative that I definitely want to point out and i don't think we should be afraid to be a small business as well uh-huh. if you are one and what i mean by that is we tend to look at amazon or you know uh-huh. microsoft or whoever is this as this goal and yet you can if you're i think part of the pandemic has taught us that if you're okay with wherever you wherever you are in that role if you're not going to ever be if you're part of that 15% of the amazon shipping right. part that isn't that that market it seems like oh market share you're not you need to be more it needs to be bigger right May, maybe part of the lesson is the ability to just be okay with where you're at in that market, market and stay true to what you're doing mm-hmm. and just be okay with it. No, no,
1: I, uh, I completely agree. <clears throat> completely agree. Um, so let's just kind of do then a, a quick recap here uh, of what we're looking at. So, you know, obviously we know how the world has changed. We know, we know how terrible things have gotten. You know, so many businesses are really suffering and, and struggling. But at the same time, we, we know that small business can you know, can pivot. You can change, you can make improvements much, much more rapidly, much more quickly than before. But there's there's a fear with making those changes. You, know, you kind of get a little squirrely with it, right? So, you know, to Melissa's point earlier, it's like this is really where the, the documentation comes into play. If you're making a change document it in a corrective action or in some sort of a form of we made this change, we made this change on this date. These are the thoughts we had before we made it and what we expected. And then set yourself a, a date on the calendar to review. Did we get the increased sales we expected? Did we get the uh, decrease in customer complaints we expected? You know, did we get the results we expected? It, it's simple stuff. Um, it's absolutely fundamental to, to quality management. And these are the things that are going to help us. Um, you know, Caleb pointed out, you know, the idea of getting out of your, you know, your comfort zone here. Um, it, it's absolutely critical. You have to be willing to do something new. Um, and then information technology, this is one where I think it can get a little scary sometimes though, because there's no shortage of tools out there. There's absolutely no shortage of tools. And for a computer geek like me, that can be a problem, right? Cause I always see the, the next shiny option out there. Um, but at some point in time, you simply have to say, this is what we're going to use for the next six months and we'll reevaluate that. Yeah. But, you know, again, the evaluation, you need to document it. You need to document that
3: you did it. You touched on the fact that, you know, there's no shortage of tools out there, but there's, you know, also no shortage of, I don't want to use like the dreaded air quotes, information as well. <laughs> um, and one of the things that I find is there's just so much, and then you just start, start to dig into it, and you're like, that's not really anything, <laughs> you know, it grabbed my attention. Mm-hmm. But I think that also finding a good source of information and a good, um, you know, person that you trust mm-hmm. is imperative if you're going to take a step in a certain direction
1: that you may be uncertain about. Like, And, and again, the, we've got more opportunities for businesses to do that now than we would have had a year, year and a half ago um, because you do have so many professionals that, that are out of work. We're looking for the next, uh, next idea. And there's no reason that they couldn't help support three or four different organizations, probably earn a better living than they were earning before, and add more value back into the economy and the marketplace than they ever could have before either. Um, before we get finished up here, any any final thoughts from anyone else? You wanna...
0: <laughs> yeah, sure. I, so I think what I, I keep hearing you say is to, make that, to be able to make those decisions to begin with, mm-hmm. I think it goes back to what you're talking about having data quality Uh data to to make that decision from not just going off of well i read something on linkedin or i watched one youtube video and now i'm inspired to go take on the world (laughs) i I know there's nothing there's nothing wrong with kind of that beginning point right but i think i think going back to the the diligence part of what do we know you know Uh what can can we put our finger on like you said Uh and then i think also i think in terms of evaluating i don't want to break it down in just the two areas but i'd say what hasn't changed or what's always going to be important, right? You're going right. to need to have uh-huh. that, you know, measured metrics, measure something. So yep. now the medium by the, how that happens may change, right. but some of these fundamental aspects uh-huh. aren't going to go anywhere. So if maybe it's, maybe it's to regroup and pivot, but to focus yeah. on something that you think is specific, but there's, I think there's also a couple other areas you can go into. And one of them might be, there may be this wild card. maybe it is time to, to look at unicorns and rainbows uh-huh. and say, what, what, looking at what's happening now, is this potential there from a transition, right. still using qualitative data, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. still in that same frame, but saying, we're gonna take this risk and maybe it's a little bit different than this one, but we're gonna go ahead and do that. So right. I think I think it's part of it is being adventurous and pivoting, but also being true to those mm-hmm. natures around, let's, let's make a sound decision based on what we know.
1: No, I agree. And that's, you know, you can go back to the uh, quality management principles, is evidence-based decision-making. I mean, it's just right there in the absolute foundation of, uh, of everything we have here. Um, But, you know, you talked about uh, maybe kind of going after some of these other squirrely uh, Mm -hmm. topics, which is, look. trust me, I know it's very easy to see, you know, uh, shiny opportunities out there. Maybe we want to go after this and do Mm -hmm. that. Um, But you do have to keep it focused. And really, I think the best way of keeping that focused is to know why you you exist. Why does your organization exist? What is the core that you're doing? And again, I love what you said about the uh, small business. It's like. It's okay to be be a small business. You can serve a niche um, goal and you've got a certain way and angle that you approach it. And it's just, um, we're going to have someone on the podcast soon to talk about um, the value of mission statements and quality policies. And, you know, I can say from having done a number of ISO audits that folks usually just
0: gloss right
1: over that quality policy. Like, yes, we have it. It technically hits all of the requirements of the standard. And that's nice a lot to just kind of, you know, sail on by. But I think for organizations that really want to uh, not just survive this uh, pandemic and this uh, economic turndown, but really want to thrive as it uh, continues, they really have to be focused on those uh, their mission, on their policy, and the documentation. Right.
2: And going to electronic version now that we're all you know yes. working from home same uh-huh. thing if you want to be able to share you know your right. documents and things like that that's the best place to do it yeah I mean you know cause there's a lot of companies that I worked for as well back in the day where you know they, everything was paper mm-hmm. you know so how do you do that now that everybody's working from home you can't share it and, like here sign right. it you can't do that because you're not in the office so right. you know those are now the best tools to be using so if you're gonna look at here's what happened the Kappa and mm-hmm. be able to bring everybody into it what the investigation is all that all that documentation can be out there. So they can view it. So when you're looking at metrics, you're trying mm-hmm. to figure out well, what happened, why, you know, is it reoccurring, all those things, all that information is out mm-hmm. there so you can pull it up. Anybody can see it,
1: yep. you can, you know, move forward, correct it, whatever. Yep, Absolutely. Absolutely. Caleb, any final thoughts here? No, I mean, you know, we're, we're here to help. <laughs> <laughs> so no, this is a, this is a lot of fun. So again, this is kind of our, our first time doing one of these uh, live stream events. So, you know, same as everything else, we're kind of figuring it out. We documented what we we're going to do and now we'll go back and reevaluate how well did this work? Yeah. You know, we're going to follow our own, uh, own advice there. Hey, from our, uh, small audience that we have here, any comments or questions for you guys, thoughts or anything you want to know about no, no. All right. Fine. So don't put people on the spot. <laughs> hey, well, I um, I really, really appreciate uh, you guys taking the time to uh, to be here and to do this with us. I'm looking forward to doing some more events like this and uh, can just kind of keep figuring this out as we go. But I, I just want to leave with one final thought is. I am truly, absolutely hopeful and very optimistic for the future of small business in, in this economy. I really think this is the gold mine that you know existed at the time of the dot-com boom, um, but it's not a bubble that's gonna burst. This is the, the real deal. Small businesses, folks that care and are passionate about what they do, really have an opportunity to make a difference in the world. And I'm just looking forward to being part of it. So thank you guys, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Hey
2: guys this is darcy with quality matters we really appreciate you listening and if you enjoy it we invite you to subscribe you can find us on itunes spotify anywhere you listen to your podcast subscribe comment leave us a review we're happy to hear from you